Yes, sir. And welcome to the road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, but it's about the journey. We want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the road to Damascus. I want to say what's up to all the people that are listening out there. And I want to say what up to my co-host today. Hello, co-host. I'm going to introduce you all. But before I do, I just want to always let the people know if they ever want to contact us at the show, they can reach us at Road to Damascus. That's Road, the number two, Damascus at iCloud.com. And you can reach us also on social media at Road to Damascus on Instagram as well as Twitter. We would love any feedback, any show topics, anything that you would like to discuss. So let me go on and say what's up to the people that's at the table with me today. Joining us remotely is Lo. Say what's up, Lo. Hey, world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. She's joining us remotely, but she's here, so I'm not going to clown her today. And say what's up to my girl, the rabbi, Shonda. Say what's up, Shonda. What's up, everybody? And, of course, my partner in crime, the man, the myth, the legend, Stefan. What up, Steph? What up? Well, it's good to see you all today. It's good to see you all. So we're going to go ahead and uh, this week's topic was actually a Shonda topic. So uh, what are we talking about this week, Shonda? Well, we're actually talking about the importance of discipline and correction in church and why people don't like it. Why people don't like it. Discipline and correction in the church. So since it's your topic, we're going to start with you first. Okay. Well, I like to start things off with uh, a definition. A definition. A Do definition. that. Okay. Discipline is conduct or pattern of behavior gained by forcing obedience. Okay. Okay. Force is always necessary until power is established or until the will is broken. And, uh, you know, there's a, a biblical concept of discipline that's two-sided. There's a positive side and a negative side. The negative side is really not a negative side, but it's viewed that way. So the positive side is instruction, knowledge, and training. That negative side is correction, consequence, and criticism. Everybody's happy and celebrating that positive side, the instruction, the knowledge, and training, but uh, those are just simply the results or outcomes of the other side done well. Okay. So I'm sure we'll get into that. As yeah, we, we, we'll dive into that. Law, what do you think when you hear discipline and correction in the church? What do you think? Well, when I think about discipline and correction in the church, the first thing that comes to my mind is most of the times you don't see it or you don't hear it happening. And then when it is done, it's done. You hear people say, oh, well, they came and they said this to me, so I'm offended. So I think that because it starts with accountability, people don't want to be accountable for the things that they do properly and the things that, that they need to improve on. So when you try to go to someone and discipline and holding them accountable for whatever they're doing, most of the time, because people are thinking, well, I'm grown and I don't want nobody telling me what to do, they take it offensively. And it's not an offensive thing. You have to have some type of structure in order for things to go smoothly and work the way it's supposed to. 
Absolutely. I like that. Steph? Yeah, uh, I agree with Lola. Um, on the past episode, we appro- uh, we um, we kind of went on the and summed up leadership and calling accountabilities, right? Yes. And now we approach the topic of neighbor accountabilities, like having accountability with your brother and your sister um, and making sure that they're on the right path and you guys helping each other out, you know? Um, and it's, it's extremely important. Um, so this is going to be a great topic. Absolutely. Um, so just real quick, let me give my uh, opine. <laughs> um, I, I agree with both Lauren and Shonda and Stefan, but I, I think one thing that has developed over the church over the last 30 to 40 years is that we got to the point where it was almost like, don't judge me. Don't don't judge me. People would say things like that. Um, they wanted to be justified in the things that they were doing, or they will point out the things that other people did as a justification for their actions. Meaning, how you going to talk to me about what I did, but you used to do this or you used to do that, not understanding I used to do this. I used to do that. So I'm coming to you from a place of knowledge, a place of understanding and a place of love. And I think the part that has left in this whole conversation is the talk of love. Um, that's one thing that I know I get made fun of sometimes when people are like, you always talking about love and love and love. But the Bible talks about, it says what? Love covers a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. Love, it says uh, hope, faith, love, but the greatest of these three is love. And it even, when it talks about correcting somebody, I believe it's in 2 Timothy, it talks about approaching them in love. So I think that the part that has left is the people who are going to people don't do it in love. And the people who are receiving it aren't receiving it in love. They're looking at it as, oh, you tell them, like Lauren kind of said, you telling me what to do. You you in my pockets. You you in my situation. So I look at it from that standpoint. So let me ask you guys this to kind of go where we're going. Um, Matthew 18 is uh, starting at verse 15. It kind of talks about dealing with sin within the church and approaching your brothers and approaching your sisters and things like that. Um, It kind of gives a, I'll just read a little bit of it. It says, if your brother or sister sin, go out and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to even uh, listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now that's red letters. So we know what red letters mean. <laughs> what does red letters mean? Lo? <laughs> what is red? That means that that is Jesus talking <laughs> himself and he let y'all know what it is <laughs> so so my question to that and i go start with you low my question to that is um what when we hear that when should we start to bring in other people for the discipline and the correction because it starts off saying you go to that person first yourself so how much grace should we give that person to say that we've won them over so for me I think it starts with 
who is the person bringing it to me? Because I think that's sometimes where people can get a little sensitive or touchy <laughs> because it's like, I had a relationship with this person. They came and they tried to tell me. So who is the person bringing it? And how will, how is the person presenting it? How, what, what is your wordplay like? Are you coming to me saying, Hey, you know, I noticed that you haven't been here in a while and I just wanted to come and encourage you or, you know, I, I seen this and I, and I just wanted to come and talk to you about it. There are ways that things can be said in a way that people won't be offensive now. Some people are going to be offended no matter what. It, it just, some people are just sensitive. They're going to be offended. No, if you say uh, you wore this dress and it was a little too short, they're going to get offended. I mean, because I've had people say this to me, and I say, oh, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't have wore that dress. But I, you know, keep on moving. But I, I think so. That's the first thing is how it is brought to you. Um, if it gets to a point where the person is just not going to listen to you and is doing something that's impacting the church in a negative way, then in that situation, you need to, to bring somebody in immediately. But there are times where people can come to you and just say, hey, I want to talk to you about something. And it can be corrected or it can be one of those things that I know that we're not close like that. I know you may not know me. You may not trust me. But let me pull in somebody that you do know or that you do trust. And we can work through this together. So in situations where they don't know each other, let me ask you this real quick. In situations where they don't know each other as well, would it be better for them to pull somebody else in or tell the person that knows them better so they can address it in your opinion? I I think in my opinion, if it's someone that I don't know that well, I would bring in some a middleman. So if there's somebody that you know, like I've only had one conversation with this person, uh, no way I'm going up to this person. <laughs> but I see that they talk to Sister Sally across the room. I'm going to bring Sister Sally in on it. Got you. Okay. No, I got you. So, Steph, what do you think? I mean, I believe, uh, and I just kind of wrote this down, account- accountability is not self-righteous impartations, but rather loving reproach from a place of concern and not control. And in that case, (laughs) in that case, you can talk to anybody because if you approach somebody with concern and not control, that's going to be based on the way you talk to that person. If I say, now, why are you going to wear that over here? That's a place of control. You sound like your daddy. But if you say, you know, hey, I want to kind of talk to why are you wearing the same clothes? You, you, do you have clothes or is, you know, do you have the appropriate attire? Um, is there something that you need or something like that? Not from a place that I feel like I'm trying to control you and your decision-making, you know, and a lot of times we, uh, we despise a lot of uh, wise counsel or people that try to talk to us. Cause a lot of people come from a place of control Especially in the way they talk. Like, you know you shouldn't be doing that. You know you shouldn't. Nah. It's supposed to be low, no. <laughs> hey, it ain't supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be if you if you come off with a place uh, from a place of concern, which love is concerned. If you haven't talked to someone in a while that you love, you're not going to call them like, well, I ain't heard from you. Are you good? You know, I ain't talked to you today. How you feeling? You know, everything okay? That person is more apt to talk to you and respond to you than you talking to them 
with a, you know, higher tone, more bass in your voice, and, you know, rather than the place of a uh, concern. So that's where, I mean, I kind of. Okay. And I finally wrote something down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shout out to Lolo. They proud of you. This is a, a beautiful moment. <laughs> um, so what about you, Shonda? What do you think? Okay. To kind of piggyback off of um, what that, yeah. both of them just said, there are two types of discipline. You know, there, there's not a job or a career or anything that you're going to do where discipline is not required. Okay, there are two types of discipline. There's the discipline that you give yourself. You know, there's self-discipline. And then there's the ability to be disciplined from the outside. Okay, love without discipline is passivity. Discipline without love is abuse. Okay. Wait, say, say that again. Say, say that one more time. Love without discipline is passivity. Discipline without love is abuse. Discipline without love is abuse. It's okay. Abu- it's abuse. I like that. So one of the things that Stefan was saying, see, let me check my notes. <laughs> <laughs> when you give, um, when you're disciplining somebody else, we do it from a place of being disciplined already. Okay, so if I'm going to discipline, I'll use Lauren since she's the other female. Okay. If I'm going to discipline Lauren and I'm not disciplined, she's not going to receive it or respect it because the root of discipline is love. So if you're not disciplined, you are coming from a place of power. Undisciplined people, you will see an undisciplined person trying to discipline you as a power grab. They just want to have control over me. So is that more uh, of a... Do as I say, not as I do. Absolutely. You do do what I tell you to do. Doesn't matter what I do. And they keep on. You can tell. It's like they're beating you to get you to submit because they need power over you. They need to, in that way, they feel like I've acquired some discipline. But on the other hand, if I'm the person who's being disciplined and I still haven't been, you know, disciplined, I'm looking at that person, I don't have any respect for them. So I have to first discipline myself. Okay. I have to be willing to be disciplined from somebody else in order for me to be correct when I give out discipline. Okay, I like that. Hey, y'all ever see The Mummy? Which one? The movie, The Money, The Mummy. The first first one one? with Brendan Fraser. Yeah, yeah, all, okay. all those, right? <laughs> yeah. okay. All right. So remember, uh, what's his name? Uh, was it was it Emotep or something yeah. like that? Right. Yeah. What did he do when he first got? Uh, when he like first resurrected? I don't I remember. remember like, I remember <laughs> how he was like a skeleton, or he was a mummy. Like, well, yeah, a, he started eventually coming together. And the only way he started coming together is because he was literally absorbing other people. Right. That's the same thing when people try to control somebody. So they, they take their beliefs and they put it on somebody else. And as soon as that person, they, they, they begin to believe that person. That person feels like they're haughty and lifted up. Now they become, they feel like their image is more broad and more uplifted. You understand what I'm saying? Kind of like right. Emotep kind of right. no, scenario I get what you're to saying. where you take something that is lifeless and you take from somebody else. Instead of at, uh, uh, talking to somebody with love, you talk somebody and tear them down. Right. Right. So somebody that talked to them without love was coming from a, uh, coming from a place of destruction. And by them coming from a place of destruction, they knew what they were doing. Right. right. Because you can, you know what you're doing, especially in those cases. So now they 
began to absorb this this person's like soul essentially. Right. Not in a literal sense. I right. Got you. I yeah. got you now. In a <clears throat> hypothetical <Right>. sense. <laughs> All right. Y'all feel what I'm saying? I got All you. Right. I so, oh, go ahead, Shonda. Like, what we have now is like a church full of undisciplined people. Okay, you have people reproducing who don't want to, after their own after kind. Their own kind. People who don't want to be corrected, and people who are afraid to correct. Okay, but, so but haven't we birthed a generation of that? Would you say, Lauren? We've birthed a generation of people that don't want to be corrected. Because yes. you have kids that don't want to be like parents don't even want to discipline their children anymore. Bro, I just seen and that. I don't know no, where hold, that Yeah. Comes go ahead, Lowe. But they expect for them to go out in the world and be able to function. Because if you don't do it at home or you don't do it in the church, when these people decide that they want to go out and be ministers or whatever, the people in the world are not going to, you know, coddle them. The world going to chew these people up because... They're going to say, I don't know where you came from. I don't know what you've been told, but we don't do that here. Uh, so we're uh, really, really putting people at a disadvantage because we're not addressing the things that need to be addressed. It really is growing pain. Okay. When you, when, when you, when you have someone that can come to you and they can say, I have observed you do this. And it's not okay, or you need to do something different. A person that wants to grow and wants to learn and wants to develop, there is no way that you can get offended. Because, no, I'm going to use this as a tool to get better. Because you don't have to like the discipline, but if, if you apply it where needed and you filter through the things that apply to you or that can help better you, then that's how you grow. Absolutely. I just had this conversation with my son today. <laughs> That's funny. But what was you about to say, Stephanie? No, you I, saw, I saw that, but Lolo just took it that way. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I had to check myself all the time. If somebody is actually coming from a place of constructive criticism, I may not take it well the first time. I'm going to be completely honest. Right. I'm not going to take it well the first time. Sometimes I'm, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Then I'm going to actually think on it because, like the Holy Spirit always does, it literally marinates on you and now you checking your own yep. why am i even thinking about that right now until it, it gets into you it gets into your bones then it begins to change you know what maybe i need to watch that maybe i should and then you come back later on i apologize you were right but you don't want to say it in that way you right were, hey yeah you was right you know? <laughs> yeah, you feel well right. most <laughs> times people get offended too when when people discipline them and correct them when there's some truth to it oh yeah that hey, that's the part i was about to say now that was the part i was to say when most people people are not ignorant people know when they have ways about themselves people know isms and kisms and things like that and and they usually get offended the most when it hits a chord why do we think comedians are funny because when they telling jokes we know people yep. like the ones that they are describing Right. Absolutely. That that's Absolutely. what that's what made like Kevin Hart so funny because we would know somebody whose dad would come into school and embarrass them, right. or people who cutting up at funerals and things like that. That's what made them funny. So let me ask you guys this: when it because we're talking about discipline and correction, we also have to think about who's doing the discipline and the correcting. Um, I just read an article this week. It was about a topic we talked about several weeks ago about pastors and elevate them, and we kind of brought up. Hill songs and the 
controversy that was going on with their pastor. So an article came out this week that said like all how all the Hill songs ministers and all of their ministries like use the church's money. They live off the church's money. They use that. it like a, a ATM debit to um, live these lavish lifestyles and, and, and things like that. So do you think that another to piggyback on one, us raising a generation of people who one, we don't discipline at home. They don't like to be disciplined in life. You know, we given fifth and sixth place trophies, but do you think it's also been, um, leadership has caused us to look at them in a way where it's like, like you kind of said, Shonda, about who's the person that's trying to do the correction. If you don't have respect for them, if you see your pastor living this lavish lifestyle, um, doing the things that he wants to do. And let's be honest. If your pastor is, is a womanizer, you know, and nobody have to tell you. Right. You, you you know, you don't have to see him cheat to know that he's a womanizer. So do you think is um, a lack of confidence in leadership as well that has caused a lack of discipline and correction in the church? I where people are not receiving it, I should say. I think it's kind of two-sided. I think sometimes we see too much. You know what I mean? Like a pastor's child. Yes. You know, there's, there's no um, discretion you know, anymore. Like you can't tell me how to live when the things you're telling me not to do are visible in your own life. That invalidates you or disqualifies you from giving out discipline. Okay. Um, let me say this part before I forget. Okay. I want to say this about what Lauren said. People get upset with you when you correct them because it interferes with their ability to feel good about themselves. <laughs> okay. That's why they Absolutely. get upset. Okay, now, back to that. Hebrews chapter uh, 12 and 6 says, Whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Verse 8 says, If you cannot be disciplined as all children are, then you're not really his children at all. So, if you can't be disciplined, you shouldn't be giving out discipline. If you can't be disciplined, you are not a son. So, no one who's not a son should be correcting sons. Absolutely. I like that. You just, hey, put a period on it. What were you about to say, Steph? No, I mean, this generation now, um, everybody bites off of the fads or whatever. The fad, is that what it is, right? Yeah. And they say, yeah, the fad, right? Yeah. Not fad. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so I got you. Not fad. Hey, I like fad, though. <laughs> I'll be mean, like, fad. <laughs> He's hey, a good rapper. Yeah, he is. F A B O L O U S. No, but everybody bite off the fads, though. And you know, like I was, I was uh, reading a, a a post on Instagram, and people were talking about disciplining their children. And somebody said, they, somebody made a statement that said, "Imagine whooping your kid who looks to you for everything." So they made an excuse for it, and then they said, "Somebody watch, watch all the I turned out well people come in the room," and it's like people are doing the exact opposite of what they're saying other people are doing. So they're saying people are going, people are um, um, essentially chastising them for not whipping their kids, but they're chastising people for whipping their kids. Mm -hmm. When we were taught to actually discipline our children. Now, it's not 
you know, you don't actually have to be abusive. Some people were abused. We're not talking about being abusive. Yeah, to a child. I, well, we're I, talking about actually finding out what works for a child, right? And then disciplining that, that kid in the correct way. Some right. kids don't need to be whooped. I wasn't right. a kid that needed to be whooped. Like yeah, that. I didn't get I didn't get you a didn't lot of whooped like that, right? Yeah. Lolo, I got about four. Of them. I know what kind of girl That's she was it. growing up. Now, I she know how her her, her siblings were though. I know her siblings. We our brother. He had to be whooped. Right. He didn't listen, bro. He was getting whooped and right. he was trying to run. Right. Bro, if I had to go in the prayer pose and I had to get three <laughs> whoopings, I'm hoping I can get him down to two. Right. But it was going to be three. But if I didn't move for the two, I was good. But it taught me, you know what? Let me not do this. Right. I remember one time specifically I got whooped. I, I was told not to go into a room. And it was, you know, back in the day we all had those parents had the clean rooms. It was like, don't go in here. Everything was all white. Carpet was white. Yeah. Furniture was white. It was plush. I used to walk through it and it felt like sand. And <laughs> under my toes, me and my brother, we fighting. My mom had a plant in there. No. Yes. Pottery plant with the oh. black, rich soil with the little white balls in it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're lucky to be alive. We, me and my brother wrestling. Me and my brother Jimmy were wrestling. He, I pushed him into the – We, I think we both fell into the pot. Not, not Jeremy pot not here to defend us. Yeah, no, but this because he said we both, we both pushed Yeah, I could have got pushed. Hey, I could have got pushed. He could have got – I don't remember. Right. All I know is a body hit the, hit the pot, and somebody knocked – over all the saw you on the carpet, right? So I'm the first kid. I'm like, hey, I don't know the situation, so I'm gonna always do what I do till today. Let me go phone phone a friend. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, who wants to be a? I'm gonna phone a friend. He's like, we don't need to ask mom. She's in the kitchen on the phone. I'm gonna go get the vacuum. Mm-mm. He vacuums the soyu uh. into the carpet. So now this white carpet with black soyu is turning brown, right? I'm like, he's like, nah, let's go get mom. I'm like, it's too late. Right. We're done. We get whooped for that. Now I learned never go in that room again. So now people think they can take the same approach for boys that were really boys. Like we were rough boys growing up, right? Right. And when I say really boys, I'm talking about like aggressive, kind of like, you know, hyper, high test, don't listen, don't listen kind of boys. Right. We wrestled stuff like that. You're going to try to take a kid like that to today and you're going to reason with him and say, hey, I told you stop wrestling. Then they go in the room next. They about to leave. Let's get to wrestling again. Right. No, you had to be. We had to get whooped. That's right. Then we listen. Right. So now you take a generation that. They weren't disciplined, and now they say, we don't want to discipline our kids. Mm-hmm. Or you get the worst case or a, another scenario to where you get some people that were abused, and now they're opposed to whipping their child, right. period. Right. But then children go to school that are being whooped and disciplined correctly at home, and they go to school with kids that are not being disciplined correctly. And so you get this. Um, I, I, I went to school. We I got whooped up. by uh, two teachers in school. That's how long ago I was in school. I remember Mr. Harris had a thing called the Blue Helper. He spanked me, and Mr. Broaden, my uh, he was the want to say fourth, third grade math teacher. Mr. Broaden was a teacher who was at the school when my dad went to that school. So he had whooped all my uncles and aunts and my dad and them too. So. He, I got popped by him before too. Yeah. So that's when I went to school. But I'll say this: parents, 
one, if you were abused, we're not excusing that at all. Because there were parents who abused their children. Extension cords, right. brooms, handles. That I'm, switch. I'm not, I'm not uh, justifying that. But I will say this. Parents um, thought, because the word of the Lord said what? He who doesn't discipline the child hateth. The child. The Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. He who spareth the rod hateth the child. It didn't say, don't like them. It said, if you don't d- discipline and correct your children, that you hate them. It said that foolishness is in the heart of the child. The like, rod would drive it far from would it. The rod would drive. So Stefan learned foolishness was in his heart yep. to go in there planting that dirt. Yeah. And that rod of correction drove Learn it far. And never vacuum. You got to block that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, go ahead, well, Love. I, I, I wanted to add just when Steph was talking, and I think Sonda may have said it too, but just to piggyback off of the children, even though they were being bad, they still had fear. And today in the generation that we live in, nobody is fearful of anything or anybody. So that was a person, his his mom was a person that had authority over him or that was in a place of authority. And so when you take away that element, that's why you have people saying, can't nobody tell me nothing because I don't have any type of fear for you. Even, even in, even if, if we put it in a church element, if you know, when you go to church, the elders of the church or the ministry of the church or the pastor, they're going to come to you when they know you're doing something wrong. You're not going to do it because out of fear. But if you don't have that fear, it's like, whatever, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and I'm going to keep it pushing. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, 100%. no, I, I, like, I like where this is going. Well, let me ask you all this. What issues then need to be um, used for church discipline? What are the issues that cause, call for church discipline? Because if we see – little knickknack things and always going to somebody that, that's not going to make for a pleasant situation for anybody because knickknacks. I mean, I know some people are listening and say the Bible says it's the little foxes that destroy the vineyard, right. but let, let's be honest. You ain't going to go to people for everything. So at what point does it become? Okay. Yeah. That needs to be addressed. Now everybody might have a different answer, but don't everybody talk all at once either. There are some issues that that cause real problems. Okay. Like an individual who has had an issue getting along with everybody. Everybody's not lying. This situation needs to be addressed. Um, Or a person in leadership who doesn't understand leadership, that's a person that should be corrected. A person who thinks that, you know, being in leadership is all about power, it needs to be corrected because you can see the carnage in the congregation. So anything, you know, that's that's killing people or leaving a, a trail of tears and pain needs to be corrected. You know, so if it's a bad attitude, you know, if you're not, um, if you're having trouble at home, you know what I mean? Or if you in the church and you got more than one person in the church that you're messing with, okay, some correction needs to happen. If you say you're a preacher but you really can't preach, okay, we need to talk about that. We cannot keep avoiding stuff simply because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So so not only are you talking about discipline, like if somebody's 
She's talking about everything. She talking about correction, <laughs> talking about meaning. Correction. You, no, literally. So you cor- now you talking about the correction part too, meaning, okay, we're gonna have to take the mic from you because you're not ready for prime time. Right. Or if an individual is in open sin, okay. Or open sin. Open sin. You know about it. Everybody know about it. Everybody know about it, and you have left them in position. This this can cause a problem. The Bible says, correct them openly so that others may fear. I think we have lost. Um, we've lost the ability to do things God's way because we think people might leave, you know, and in that uh, fear, you know, we reach and grab trying to hold on because we don't want to lose it, but you meet your so destiny you, at the road. on the road you take to avoid So it. do you think that people, um, you think it's a numbers game at that point, that people are f- afraid that they might lose 20, 30 members when you only got about 70? Not Heavy. that number. It's what a, number? It's the bottom line number. Oh, the 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 lights. Yes. The doorknob. Yeah, the, the, the parking the lot. Number. Okay. Go okay. down. All right. Go ahead, Lo. What was you gonna say? Um, to piggyback on what Shonda was saying, I absolutely agree. But I also feel like, um, as the pastor or as the elder or anybody, anybody that identifies or sees something that so sometimes you will have people come to you and just openly say, I'm struggling with this. I'm having a problem with this. But then other times, like Shana said, if there are visible things, things that people can actually see or things that people think that are not being seen but know is being done, it needs to be addressed addressed immediately. Because in my opinion, it's the, it's the people that know they're doing wrong, but they want to try to hide it and it's a secret but your actions are showing everything, oh, you definitely need to be addressed because you think you're doing it in private and you're not. You're doing it openly, but you're trying to keep it a secret. Right. But it's not one. Uh, that's funny to me because a lot of times, I, I don't know why people think certain things be a secret. Be like, I, see, I'll be the person that go to him and be like, hey, look, everybody know. Everybody? <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. If you're not do, committing your sin by yourself, it's no secret. Yeah, no. It, 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 and it, even it, if you are, it's not a secret. Yeah, go ahead, Steph. No, I mean, people uh, go off the YOLO thing, right? <laughs> you only live once, but you got to wake up tomorrow. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's important that you you gotta address it. You know, I mean, people have taken the thing that come as you are too far. Come as you are, you know, you come with your problems. But if it's something that you're openly doing and you're building on and people are seeing you doing that, you know, like being a womanizer or somebody in, that's well, an he abuser. He pointed to me somebody. when he said that. No, he, <laughs> yeah, I did point to you. He, he pointed his dad. That was, that was like, that was back in was my psyche. Yeah, no, no. That was back in the psyche part. I'm like, no, brother. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> no. But, no, it's, it's important that we address this, but we address it with love, you know. We talk to each other. Me and Brock, we go back and forth all the time. We talk to each other about stuff. And I'll ask him, honestly, like, B, what you think about this? You know, because I'm not trying to have an image, but I'm really trying to live a life that is focused on God. I'm, I make tons of mistakes. I'm going to constantly make mistakes. Right. I have to watch who I talk to. I have to watch the things that I say. I have to watch when I get upset at work. 
You know, I probably got some clients that may, you know, some of the clients that I even have, I've never spoken anything to them about, you know, pushing God on them or anything like that. But they automatically just say to me, one day these guys were, you know, they, they were passing out marijuana, right? They were passing it out. Right. And one of the guys says, that's not going to smoke that. He's, that's a, that, he's a church guy. And I'm like, I've never said anything right. to them, which means that my, my life has been an example to right. where it's been able where to. Where they understand that. Yeah, to where it's been able to show who I am without actually saying who I am. So I think we need to to move in that more so, and we need to help others, not chastising people, but actually doing it from a place of love, like we already talked about. Right. From a place of concern. Listen, don't do that. We need to. This is how this helped for me. It may help for you. Right. That sounds more like a loving place right. instead of, man, come on now, you know, bro, dog, right. dog, come on now, right. come on now. Well, I, some I, people need that though. Absolutely. I'm not say some people do need that. Yeah. Some people need more, you know, of an uh, uh, of a talk that has maybe a bit of more emotion, you know, mm-hmm. but still from a place of love um, and a place of concern, not from a place of pride or arrogance, you know, or right. from a place of of you know hurt, and pain, whatever. Right. Like we have to be so in tune, like Jesus was mm-hmm. when he was with the woman at the well. He corrected her without using the method they wanted him to use. You know, he's like, well, where are your accusers? You know. Oh, no, that wasn't the woman. That that was the woman woman they brought to an adulterous woman. Yeah. He corrected her without using the crowd's method. Right. But when he went into the the temple with the money changers, he flipped the tables over. Right. You know, he knew, okay, some people need this. Some people need the table flipped. You know, and so wisdom – should tell you, should guide you what kind of discipline is necessary or what kind of correction is necessary. You don't want to be too big for the moment, you know, or too small for the moment. Well, um, real quick, Seth, because I know you got a point, so remember it. But Paul said what? We have to be all things to all men. So that's about praying and having an understanding and a wisdom to know because the one thing that I always tell people when we get into discussions about the New Testament, I always say, Cause you know, people like, well, this says this and this says that I said, well, one, you have to understand Paul was talking to certain people in certain regions that didn't all have the same affliction. So the Corinthian church didn't have the same afflictions that the Ephesians had. The Ephesians didn't have the same afflictions that the Galatians had. So when he would tell them, have the women be silent, he wasn't meaning all women needed to be silent. He was saying for what they were trying to do to build up in that region that the women in that region were causing it to become a problem. Or when he said about correcting um, people or kicking them out and things like that. Cause I, was it Corinthians where it was, it was a man who was outwardly having an affair and they yes. were kind of like boasting about it, that yes. they hadn't kicked him out the church. Might've been two Corinthians chapter five. Two. <laughs> okay. You're going to be with the two <laughs> Corinthians, but you understand, you understand what I'm saying low. So right. we have to, get to a point where um we use wisdom to be able to address people the way like with my siblings i have a trust factor with all of my siblings that they will come to me and know one that the information they're giving me it won't get out and two that if i am correcting them or disciplining them i'm not doing it out of a place of malice but out of a place of love if lauren was to call me with an issue or i was to call lauren 
I know that the feedback that she gives me would be out of a place of love and not out of a place of abuse. I know if Shonda called me, she's going to say, hey, B, um, can we talk? And I know, but I know that you're not doing it out of a place because we built that kind of relationship. But also, I've, I've, I know Lauren's approach. I know your approach. I know Stefan's approach where y'all not coming to be malicious, but y'all coming because y'all care about the end result. And I would tell anybody that, you know, because sometimes a person may be like, oh, that person this way or that person. I say, no, that's not the person I know. Because when you get to know somebody, then, and that's where I always talk about, like, even in our faith walk, the relationship. When you have a relationship with Christ, your mindset is differently than somebody who who just knows about Christ because they've been taught about Christ. Right. So um, I, I know I was a little long-winded. Did you want to? No, no, I think I, I was just going to say when Shonda had made a point, I was going to ask her, but I just had time to look it up because you took that long. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you see that sneak disc? Y'all see that sneak disc, right? This yeah, guy, this the second I literally time. literally read 38 chapters of Genesis. See, <laughs> See, no, I was looking at That's strike two, Lauren. First, he pointed at me for being a womanizer. Now he's telling me that I'm, I'm being long-winded. Hey, no, no. I think he's coming for your head today. I think he is, too. I think hey, he is, no, too. I need you to do it. What the <laughs> hey, no, so I, I was I was going to build a point, the point that Shonda said. When I was uh I was thinking about the story uh, uh when Judah had came to me when he slept with his daughter or his his uh, his uh his daughter in law, Ur's uh widow wife right, Tamar. So remember in Genesis thirty eight, Judah had uh Ur he was that was his uh, his widow, um and he had died. Then his other son Onan had died. They were all supposed to impregnate her. Then I think Shayla or Sheila was supposed to, uh, you know, impregnate her or whatever. So he never gave her because he was in fear that his son was going to get killed. Um, so she posed as a prostitute. Okay. Now, this goes on another thing. Obviously, Judah was down with prostitutes because he didn't just pop up and see this one woman and say, I'm going to try this for this one time. Right. Think he's already been doing this. She posed as a prostitute. He slept with her. She gets pregnant. Somebody comes to Judah and says, "Hey, your your uh your daughter in law is pregnant." She was like acting like a prostitute or whatever. He's all oh, take her out and let her be burned. He's sleeping with prostitutes, right? But she had all his little identification cloak and all this stuff. Found out it was him. He said, "You are more righteous than I." Now, had she had not have had that to have him accountable for his own actions. He would have condemned her and not saw himself. Right. So it's the exact same thing. In oh, the, yeah. In this situation. No, I always tell people, Lo, you can piggyback on this. I always tell people, in today's society, when they brought the woman to Jesus and he said, let he who was without sin cast the first stone, folks today, they throwing them rocks. Right. Because they don't want you knowing <laughs> that it's a possibility mm -hmm. that they doing something. Am I right, Lo? Absolutely. It's, it's easy to point fingers when none are being pointed back at you. But let somebody get a whiff that you point the finger, they're going to start pointing back. So that's why everybody needs to focus on you. I tell people all the time, focus on what you have going on. Focus on what you can control. You cannot control me. So if you're not coming to me in a place of love, and like you said, in a place that you know that's not being malice or anything like that, then you might as well go on over there and sit down. <laughs> because you got some of your own problems you need to work out. 
But I, so I think that that's definitely what makes the difference. Okay. And before we, uh, be, uh, finish up. So with the correction part, um, Shonda, you had mentioned the correction part. So what, what does that look like with the correction part as far as you said, like somebody in leadership that's leaving a trail of tears or somebody that's, um, getting a mic and they open scene or things like that. What does that look like as far as for the correction part? Like, what does that look like for us eliminating that? Because is that just people in leadership afraid to have tough conversations? Absolutely. If you, if you ask 10 people in a room, how do you feel about confrontation? Eight of those people are going to say, I don't like it or I don't do it. You don't have to like it. It's not necessary that you like it. It's absolutely necessary that you do it. And I'm not saying that everything you confront will change, but I'm almost certain that nothing will change that you don't confront. You know, you so, be dropping these gems with these sayings. <laughs> I be building on dog. When she say something, something hit me. I remember I said a while ago, comfort is not a necessity. It's a desire. And people think as soon as they in Christ that they just going to have this comfort. No, God promises you peace. He doesn't promise you comfort. He doesn't promise you comfort. So, through these things, you're going to have these uncomfortable conversations, right. uncomfortable moments to where you're going to be called out on things that maybe you did wrong. Maybe maybe you said something wrong. None of us are above reproach. Right. You know, we're all supposed to be corrected, but we're supposed to be corrected out of love. And like Shonda just said, you do it from a place, you know, you correct right. people, you say something, nobody wants confrontation. Somebody's going to react wrong. You got to be prepared for it and say, hey, listen, I know you probably think I said it wrong. I'm just kind of saying it. Let that marinate. And I hope that God puts it on your heart to show you the place that I was trying to come from and not a place of hurt or pain. You know, one of our one of our favorite scriptures uh, or passages of scripture is Psalms 23. Everybody know it, right? There's a, uh, a scripture in there that will tell you the only time that you're going to really be comfortable is when there is a combination of correction and discipline. Thy rod and staff comfort me. The rod is for correction and discipline. You know, it's, it's made, it has the curve on one end. So if, if the sheep slips when they're going through a dangerous place, you can, you know, grab their legs and pull them back up. And a rod, when they get out of line, if they try to run and you pop them to get them back in line, you cannot have comfort without correction and discipline. Okay. I like now, Lo. Let me ask you this because I had brought it up earlier about the church, um, the Hillsong Church, as an example. So, do you? Because it sounds like to me, do we just think? And I'll start with you, Lo. That this has just been a a failure in leadership in the church that we have. Because Shonda talks about reproducing after your own kind. Have we just reproduced feckless leader after feckless leader? In your opinion. I, I think it's two-sided. I think it, it definitely has to do with leadership, but it also has to do with the fact that there was no structure from the beginning. If there is nothing solid put in place, no matter if the leader put it there, the elders put it there, whoever put it there, if there is no real plan, it's, it's not going to go anywhere anyway. It's going to fail regardless. So... Sometimes you have leaders that create the mess, and then sometimes you have leaders that actually come in and they're inheriting the mess. But regardless, 
if you are the head, then you are responsible for it. You literally are responsible for making sure that whatever is incorrect, you got to fix it. It starts with you. I tell my teams all the time at work, I leave from the front. Leaders don't leave from the back. You leave from the front. So whatever you want them to do, you're going to do it. It starts with you because you are the head. You are accountable. If something goes wrong, they're not going to go to the, the person that come in church and sit in the back. They're going to come to you and say, well, what did you do? The, fit, the fish rots from the head. Yes. Go ahead, Shonda. You look like you want to say something. Man, I'm about to jump out of my chair. That was so good. <laughs> Be, being the vice chair of the union, I live in an uncomfortable position. I stand between the workers and management. And when there's a situation that comes up, it's absolutely uncomfortable for me to go to a manager to say, this is not a practice that's written you know, in, in the handbook that we negotiated. This is not a part of the contract that we negotiated. So you can't just say across the board that only two people can be off at one time. I understand that it may be a past practice, but there are some things that have to happen in order for that to be official. So you can't do it. There's nothing malicious about it. It's just fact. I think people get have gotten so far away from the truth. It has nothing to do with how you feel. It's just tell people the truth. It doesn't matter how they feel about it. It doesn't we, matter. We live in a post-truth society right now. So that's, you know? that unfortunately is what's truth. And you know, I'm, I'm, that's a whole different conversation, but um, no, I agree. I agree with what you're saying, but it's just yeah, you know facts change, right? Truth never does. Oh, okay, I like that because you know. the information you have, the facts that I have right now says A, B, C, and D, right? But the facts tomorrow could be something different, exactly. But the truth is going to remain the, the same. The truth never ever changes. Like it's a fact that the shirt that you have on today is black. That's it can change. The truth never changes. The sun will always rise in, in, in the east, east and set seven. in the west. It's not going to change. I don't care what country you're in. It doesn't matter where you go from one corner of the earth to the other one. God's word is going to always be truth. You can't change it. He said don't add nothing to it. Don't take nothing away from it. Now, you can you can risk it if you want to, <laughs> you know, trying to shape it to fit oh. your moment. Well, people do that anyway. And there's a place for them. Now you and leader, you. I think that that, that shirt is black. It's midnight black. <laughs> oh, That's he how people get you. Yeah. He want to hit you with that. So, um, what do you? How do you feel about that, Steph? About is is it just the leadership in the church has allowed this to happen? Or, I mean, well, let me because all of us are in a position of leadership, supervisors business owners Dang, you're right. things like that we're all leaders in here so we've so all that's why this works because <laughs> we've all had to have tough conversations with people and we've had in my case i've had to fire people lauren you probably had to fire people i don't have you had to fire people shonda no but you've had to correct i've had to correct and, and i've had to write them up i know stephanie had to fire some people hey no i'm gonna be out bro i'm too i'm so nice i let people leave like you you sure you want to come in tomorrow? I'm only paying this much. <laughs> so I, I let them exit on their own. Right. Oh, you, or you just make it uncomfortable enough that they don't yeah, want to come back. You better have that conversation. <laughs> you better have that conversation. Hey, he'll call me in a minute. Hey, B. Hey, but you can't have that with, with some with some random Jones. Hey, no, you know why? Because truth is, I get guys all the time, right? Some of them, 
Some of them put out a lot, and then some of them don't really work as hard, right? So I find strengths in every single one of them. For the people that don't work as hard, they don't get a call back, you know? And then some of them try to work again. You, you're not going to – I just – I'm kind of honest in this regard. I tell them, this is probably not going to fit you, this point right here okay. on the project. No, I know? got you. But well, what I was going to say is, when when you guys, so um, I'll start with you, Lauren. When you have diff- correction, conversations of correction, what what is your strategy when you do that? Well, for me, I, I never go into a conversation telling them, you do this wrong, you do that wrong. No, I say, I want to talk to you and I want you to tell me what you think you do well here and what you think you can improve on. So when when it comes from them, now you're not saying, well, she told me. No, you're saying this yourself and I'm about to build upon it based off of what I have observed. And so when they tell me, okay, well, I, I think I can work on this or I think I do this well, then I, I always start with the positive stuff. Oh, yeah, you absolutely do that well. We appreciate you so much. I appreciate when you come. However, there are things in areas you can improve on. You can imp- improve in. And then I say, what do you think that you can do differently? What do you think that you can work on? What can we implement for you? You have to make it specific to the person. It's not a universal thing. Everybody is different. And so based off of that, like I, because I'm not a dictator because I don't like being dictated to. So when you turn into a conversation, instead of saying, well, this is what I want you to do, you got until this day to get it done, or you out of here. You're never going to get results. Oh, I like that. Now, Shonda, when you have correction conversations, what does that look like? I'm a little bit different. <laughs> she don't get no compliments. You got a, a, a notepad full of notes. and you. Listen, I think, the uncomfortable conversations we don't have today become the regrets we have to work through tomorrow. Okay. okay. So um, I also think but and however negates everything you said before. It. <laughs> so I start. That dress with, looks nice, but. but. You're fat. <laughs> <laughs> you threw it all out the way. You know what I mean? So She said, but you're fat. You know. Hey. <sighs> so I. I tend to just come in with, okay, listen, here are some things that I think we need to work on so that you can, you know, and I list, this is why I've called you in here because I'm not calling you in here because you're doing such a good job. So I just, I don't even mess around with it. This is why I called you in, you know, now, however, we do have an opportunity for you to correct this. So I start with that and however, and then I give you the good part. I'd rather give you, this is what we need to work on first. And then now how can we fix this? Okay. Got you. What about you, Stefan? I'm terrible at it. <laughs> Bro, if somebody's doing something wrong on the job, you're going to do it yourself. I was about I'm going to say, it. you fix it. <laughs> Look, I literally <laughs> recently, <laughs> recently, no. I had to do something else, right? And I'm, I feel like I'm not above anything in the job I have to do because I have to do everything, but I try to lead by example in doing it. Sometimes I get so frustrated. I'm trying to do one thing. I'm at the point now, I'm not digging any, you know, digging any holes. I'm going to have one of the other guys dig the hole, and I'm going to make sure the depth is correct. Okay. One of the other guys, they weren't digging the hole right. So I'm over here doing some terminations. I'm like, you know what? 
Let me show you to grab your shovel. Next thing I know, I'm near for 20 minutes. And they just looking. And I'm like, this is how I want you to do it. So next time, you won't do it. You will do it the way I want you to do it, not the way you were doing it. And it's, I mean, it has been effective, but I'm not really, I'm not really good at um, having a conversation with somebody immediately. Like, listen, let's talk. I hate having conversations. I had a client recently. All they wanted to do was talk. Constant. Hey, can, listen, can we download? I'm like, bro. Y- y'all literally didn't turn the line wire. I'm about to get a virus. Y'all download every single day. Right. I'm like, I don't want to talk that much. I'm more, I'm more physical and to the point. I'm very much goal oriented. So I have to, I take that same approach in my life. Instead of me chastising somebody else about doing it, I think I'll talk while I'm working. You know, so I'm actually, hey, listen, you see how I'm shoveling this? See how I'm giving the proper force and throwing this dirt? Don't throw it right where you're going to dig. Throw it about five feet away. And then they start to see. I don't want him to say it anymore. My nephew works with me, right? His son, my nephew, he automatically knows. I heard him one day. I didn't say anything to him, but I was proud. He said it was something about moving something or something like that. And one other guy said also they heard him say it on another occasion. We can't do that. Unk ain't going to like that. I said, you see, it took a while for him to get to that right. point. Now he's at that point right. to where he knows what's acceptable and what's not. I got you. And so I, I like to build a team like that. Right. And, I mean, that just works for me. But every single method works differently for other people. Some right. people right. want to sit down and talk. You guys' environment is more of the, hey, 15 minutes or no, lunch time. You. Can we yeah. have a meeting? Well, right. so personally – um. I, I, I kind of do a little bit of what Lauren and Shonda do. It depends because I use the Paul method. Depending on who I'm talking to, I know how they're going to take the information. Mm-hmm. Because one thing I tell every person that's ever worked for me, I don't fire you, you fire yourself. Right. I always tell people that. Be the person I hired, not the person I fired. Mm-hmm. Because most of the time, your actions is what fired you. I didn't wake up and say, oh, I'm just going to fire this person. No, your actions... Were the things that led to you being fired. So it depends on how the person is. So I may start off with, hey, you, you've been doing a good job with this, doing a good job with that, but I'm going to need you to work on A, B, C, or D. Or I'll let them, so how do you think things have been going lately? You know, and I'll have, because I've gotten a list of complaints. So how do you think things have been going lately? Um, sometimes I'll correct in the moment. Um, more That was more when I was in, Retail management, um, Starbucks and things like that, correct in the moment because you might get somebody who do the Lauren neck head with a customer and you gotta let them know, no, no, no. <laughs> we're not about to we're not about to do that, sis. You know, and things like that. But so it, I just think from my my standpoint, that's the way I do it. But I just think that through all that we've talked about um today, discipline and correction, that it starts, that it shows that it has told me personally is that there is um, a leadership gap, leadership gap at the church, leadership gap at home that is causing us to raise up a generation of people that, and I always bring this up over correction. We never do a a correction just to kind of tweak. We're going to tweak it a little bit. No, it's like we go from going to church six days a week to one day a week for 45 minutes. Like, we ain't have to completely stop 
going to church. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, cause you, you know, our parents grew up, Lauren, they tell us, and you're too, I know Shonda, cause you from the South. You was at church six days a week. You Seven. going to church. You going to church. Seven. Seven. We had choir rehearsal. I don't care what's going oh, on. Oh, choir rehearsal was on Saturdays? <laughs> yeah, it was on Saturdays. Seven days a week. And then on Sundays, you didn't leave church about 7 o'clock at night. We had two services. And then dinner. Yeah, you going so, to two services. Yeah, we had the morning service. You could eat at the church. And then there was the evening service. So, so what yeah. time would you get home on Sunday? About 9, 10 o'clock <laughs> at night. <laughs> Look at Stephen's so it's it, it so I just think it ends up being an overcorrection. But I think we can chop this up for 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 another hour if need be, but we're gonna go ahead and close it out. So Lauren, you haven't been with us for a couple of weeks, so we're gonna start with you. Wait a minute. Hold, okay. hold on, hold get that thought together, Lauren. Let me say this before you close. <laughs> I have written up many people and have even been complimented because I've never had anyone complain about signing one of my write-ups. They felt at the end of that that they had earned it. Oh, okay. By the same token, I've had people in the church that you say something to and they're upset for an entire week because people in the church feel exempt from correction and discipline. You feel like just because you're in church or just because you have the Holy Spirit that Nobody can correct you. Well, that's kind of what Stefan has said, that people expect you. What, what, what did you say about people feel like because they're saved that they expect comfort? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like comfort, you know, being not, not being in a necessity. So it's like, well, desire, I, so well I'm, I'm living the way I'm supposed to be. What am I doing wrong? How dare you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I just told you what you were doing wrong. Right. You know, but now you're upset. And we have just gotten accustomed to dealing with feelings and we've gotten away from the word of God. And I think that that's what we're passing down. Feelings are more important than the word. Amen. Go ahead, Lauren. It's on you, lady. I'm closing. Is this my two minutes? This your your two (laughs) minutes? Go ahead. This your two minutes. (laughs) All right. So what I just want to leave you guys with is, Keep yourself coachable. So when I say coachable, you will never be able to grow or develop if you don't keep yourself in a place to ask questions, to be told no, to be told that's not right, this is not right. You cannot do it by yourself. You will never be able to do anything alone. So you need to get around people that are going to challenge you to be better that are going to sometimes push you to be better. Growing pains are uncomfortable, but it's so worth it. And once you get to where you're trying to be, you will not have any doubts or regrets or anything. And I am a person that I used to get offended when people would come to me and tell me, well, you need you, you probably shouldn't wear that. You probably shouldn't have said that. You probably shouldn't did that. And I used to be offended. But when you start to see people in the sight of love and not in the sight of offense, your entire situation and dynamics will begin to change because you will know that God is only going to have someone say say something to you that's for you. So take it and apply it where it's needed. Amen. Amen. Rabbi, it's on you. 
took a note from Stefan and, and wrote this part down so <laughs> we can get this right. You remember how in the beginning I said discipline has two sides, a positive side and a negative side. One side, there's instruction, knowledge, and training. The other side is correction, consequences, and criticism. Well, 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, rebuking, correction, criticism, and training. The child, there's an African proverb that says, the child not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. Discipline must be given in love or that person will turn, return to the scene and set that village on fire just to feel the warmth they wanted from the beginning. Discipline is necessary in order for love to be real. Amen. I'm mad at Shonda because I was going to use that scripture, so we're going to fight after this show. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> look at Lord. Right, let's give that a, you know, like, but uh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, she just sprinkled, so I've been sprinkling my hands. She's been sprinkling knowledge. Go ahead, Steph. It's all you. All right. Um, to sum up the topic that we talked about today, uh, it's important that along this life and this road that we're all taking uh, as far as uh, serving God and really trying to um, develop and grow and not go in circles in life, it's important that every single person that's around us, that we observe the ones that are around us, people that can give us actual constructive criticism, but knows the direction that we're going, like a GPS, a GPS corrects us on the direction that we're going. And when we're going off course or there's traffic coming up, it helps us. It doesn't, it doesn't cause a deviation that is going to create more time, but it actually leads us to the road of, of, of less resistance, right? And the people around you, if you observe them and you see that these are people that are really trying to live a, a life of, of God and Christ and really are trying to grow, these people can help correct your course. And you can help correct their course. We're all supposed to be accountable for each other. We're supposed to be like co-pilots. When a co-pilot is with you and you're flying a plane, you guys go back and forth. If I don't want to fly the plane anymore, you say, you have flight controls. They repeat it back to you. I have flight controls. You guys go back and forth and you help each other out. Not to say to give somebody else control of your life, but at times we go through, through things to where we need some help. We need uh, uh, we need a, a, an awakening or we need some accountability in our own lives to where if it's something I feel like I'm doing wrong or somebody says something to me, I already know it's an issue. I just didn't know how to address it. Like Shonda said earlier. So don't take those as a, a, an attack or a way of somebody trying to have control over you. But actually use that, uh, that that criticism as something constructive that you can develop on. Because God could have put it on that person to say something to you to where you can make that change. I like to say this. God doesn't tell somebody else something about me that he hasn't already told me. He uses somebody else to say it that he's already told me. Like my dad back in the day or my mom. My mom wouldn't tell my sister to tell me to go wash the dishes. Mom said, go wash the dishes. I'm going to run them, ask my mom if she told me to wash the dishes. No, my mom told me to wash the dishes already. I said I was going to do something. Then she came back up and reiterated what my mom said. It should be a confirmation, and you should automatically know what you need to deal with. Then you need to move forward in making those corrections. So don't despise correction. And even if it affects you, and it's going to affect you, because we don't like to be told you're doing this wrong. We don't like to be you know, chastise in any way, take that, 
don't say anything at that moment, let it marinate, and then maybe come back and say something in a couple days or a day or a few hours and let it just kind of sit on you and and try to make the, 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 the corrections in your life so you can get to where God wants you to be because you don't want to go in circles for years and months. You want to develop and you want to move forward. So that's my closing. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ladies. Um, I'm just going to uh, keep it short since Shonda stole my uh, scripture. No, I'm just playing. She didn't steal it. Um, starting with uh, Matthew and going all the way to um, Titus. Titus is just before Revelation. Am I correct? Is that what, what's the book? Is it Jude? Yeah. Jude, excuse me. Um, all of those books are basically about discipline and correction. The epistles that Paul wrote, the letters, Jesus, how he dealt with the disciples was all about discipline and correction for the church. If you are looking to be in the body of Christ, you have to be willing to accept discipline and correction. You have to be willing to give it and you have to be willing to accept it. At the end of the day, if you want to know about having a relationship, no Good relationship has never had to deal with discipline or correction on either end. So we have to be looking to give it and we have to look to receive it. And if you want to know what that looks like, start in Matthew and go to Jude because the epistles and the, and the new Testament gospels are all about how to live a life under discipline and correction under the word of God. So we want to thank you all for listening to another episode of Road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey. And we'll catch you all next week. God bless and we're out.